concept of cattle calling people through a haunted house is going to go by the wayside because profit margins can be tied to quality as much as pure quantity. You can make your money with 10,000 people. You can make the same money that the 30,000 person is doing because you play smart. From mini golf props to animatronic characters and special effects to roller coaster theming, Creative Visions has been providing theming to a wide range of clients for nearly 30 years. Coming up, Mark McDonough, president of Creative Visions, joins us to discuss two big topics. First, ordering timelines under the current supply chain issues. And second, the future of smaller entertainment facilities. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is our Vendor Showcase series in partnership with the Haunted Attraction Association. Okay, we'll begin with ordering timelines. Mark is the perfect person to dig deep into this topic with us because Creative Visions has such a wide range of products. And that means we can take it from the perspective of ordering a simple stock item, like a squishy floor, or we can take it from the perspective of something completely custom. Okay, here's Mark. I am uh, Mark McDonough. I'm the president of Creative Visions, and we are a theming company based out of St. Louis that's been working with haunted houses and amusement parks for the last almost 30 years. Yeah, we've got this eclectic band of things from photo ops to sensational effects, and then we do a lot of full-blown attractions. Essentially, what we offer is sort of broken into two apps. We have the custom side of things where you come to us either with a need or something specifically you want. Then there's other times where people are looking for off-the-shelf. Now, the beauty for off-the-shelf is that it's going to be less expensive than a custom offering. Say you want a photo op, and we have, I don't know, we have like four photo ops in our online store, and we have fiberglass molds for these. So, for me to create, say, a fiberglass pumpkin for you as a photo op, I can sell you one for like, I don't know, 1700 bucks, something like that. Say you want a very specific pumpkin photo op, and I had to create it and make a mold from scratch. You're looking at more like six, seven, eight grand, depending on how fancy it is and things. You know, you're looking at four times as much because we have to make molds or we have to engineer from scratch with any vendor, whether it's me or somebody else. You really want to look at what they have in their online store. And especially if they're putting the time into sort of improving the products as they go. So it's less likely to have a problem. So if you hire someone to build you a robotic greeting character with some fancy motions that's never been done, expect to have problems because it's the first of its kind. While if you buy something like, for example, our squishy floor, which is something we've sold a ton of, the bugs have been worked out at this point as much as physics allow for it. On paper and in the testing lab, everything went fine. We took a motion simulator and we beat these things up. And we're like, we knew that the foam that made this work was pretty rock solid. What we missed out on is there are these rubber corner pieces that connect all these squares together. And while it technically worked, they started ripping apart over time. So the solution to that was to create a heavier duty reinforced version of those units to try to mitigate that problem. And I think we've got it handled it this not to say a new problem won't come up but as those problems come up we just continually evolve the products to make that happen it sounds like a real simple thing a squishy floor a thing you walk on just some plywood and some hardware and some foam but there's much more to it anything that moves has the potential to break and will break eventually so i like to make sure people understand that so we try to make these things as rock solid as we can as soon as we learn about potential problems we re-engineer it to solve that problem so i've always been a problem solver and I enjoy doing that type of thing. So things that we sell might be a little more on the high side price-wise, but we put the effort into designing these things, develop them, R&D them, and, and make sure that not only are they good for a haunted house, but they're good for a theme park. 
So I can sell any one of my products to Universal Studios as well as the theme park that's open for two days in late October. And it will perform equally as well. Obviously, if you're on a really strict budget as a, as a yard haunter or something like that, you might not be able to afford myself, but that's okay. We're going to be around 10 years from now. We're here when you're ready. Where are you with the timeline and availability right now? In the amusement world, things are really doing well. I mean, that's typically how it works. Every time you have one of these disasters of some sort, whether it be 9-11, you know, the housing crashed, there's always a recovery period of, say, three years afterwards for those of us in the theming world where you've got that two-year backlog of things they wanted to do, plus whatever's coming up in the new year naturally. And so companies like mine are a little bit overwhelmed right now. For example, this spring, I have a mini golf course we're doing. I have a roller coaster and a thrill ride that we're theming. As a rule of thumb, stock items can be delivered faster. In the world of creative visions, we actually hold inventory on as much as we can. We reduced our product line a little bit this year, and I think there's going to be more of that in the future. So I'm really clear with people. It's first come, first serve. It's like things could change tomorrow. You wait two weeks, it's like, yeah, I could very easily have had some big project come in that's going to gum off the production schedule, and I can't get to you for three months. And that's just the cold, hard reality. I mean, we're fast at getting stock items out the door. We run into the same labor shortage problems that, it, that probably everybody else is having. We're running at half capacity at best on labor. So we're not getting stuff out the door as quick as we normally would in 2019. And we're not even trying. At this point, we just want to make sure that we get things out properly. And essentially in the time frame, I know there's plenty of work to be had. So I'm only going to take the work that I feel we can comfortably get out the door. So like in the case of Transworld, better order at the show. If the guy orders two grand worth of stuff at the haunt show, He's ahead of the guy that orders 200 grand and stuff after the haunt show. That's just kind of the way we work it. So I was always been instilled with the virtue of be a man of your word. So don't try to sell what you can't deliver. I kind of want to get your perspective on where you see the future going for attractions. People expect more these days. You can't, you can't go into it with a 1990s attitude of if you build it, they will come. It's like, now you've got to build it. And it's got to be cool. And it's got to be memorable. There's got to be something about this unique. You know, so there's always going to be things coming down the pipe like VR and Netflix and this and that and the other. But I, I think ultimately people always love these live experiential things where you can touch, smell, experience in, in, in first person. You know, a lot of the theme parks have picked up on doing haunt, which is cool because it expands the market. But for the smaller owner operators, what's that mean? Well, that means that you have to sort of up your game too. So you're looking at adding things like axe throwing, escape rooms, concessions, merch, things like that, that may have been outside thing in the past that become a bigger part of your revenue stream. And I think increasing the quality of the experience is going to be important too. I think the concept of cattle calling people through a haunted house is going to go by the wayside. I think time ticketing has helped with that. I've always hated that. As a customer, ignoring the fact that I'm in the industry and I understand the woes of owning haunts, I've owned several. But the thing is, as a customer, if I sit in line for an hour and I get pushed through this haunted house in 20 minutes, I didn't get my money's worth. I did not get the same experience as the Tuesday person. And it's not my problem as a customer that you were slower on Tuesday and could do a better quality show. As a customer, all I care about is what me and my experienced. The rest of it's irrelevant. And a haunted owner can make all the excuses they want for things like that. But the reality is it doesn't matter. And I think that COVID sort of started things on this, and I think it's going to continue it. I think people are going to are realizing the quality of the show matters more than the sheer throughput because profit margins can be tied to quality as much as sheer quantity. Whether you put through 10,000 people or 30,000 people, you can make your money. 
with 10,000 people, you make the same money that the 30,000 person is doing because you play it smart. You feed them into a gift shop. You sell them merch. You get them to do the five-minute escape room afterwards. You get them to do the regular escape room. And I think that's what we're ultimately going to see. Otherwise, Haunt's going to give up the ghost and theme parks will take over if they don't make that transition. And I, again, I think that goes for every amusement center, whatever. It could be a family entertainment center. I think the concept applies across the board. So I sort of see that as being the, the future. You know, I don't have any real thoughts on things like actors versus animatronics. Mm-hmm. I think those are cyclical. Sometimes uh, there'll be a hot animatronic out there. You know, like when Distortions came out with that electric chair the first time around and it created this giant wave for animatronics. Mm-hmm. There's certain iconic things that will sort of push that forward. But then there's other things that people will sell some cool actor-operated things. It makes an actor more important. Ultimately, I think it's generally going to be a combination of the two. Sometimes swinging the pendulum one way or the other. So I don't care about things like that. I, th- I think big picture. I think about your show as an entity and sort of like, do people have fun ultimately? It's all the bits and pieces don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're using Gantam lighting. It doesn't matter if you're using Creative Visions props and special effects. It matters that you put together a a show that people have an enjoyable time at and feel like they got their 20 bucks worth or whatever it cost. And as long as you continue to do that, I think you're going to grow and the strong will survive. The weak will be kind of worked out of the mix and year to year, we're going to, you're going to see this be a stronger, more professional industry. I finished off by asking Mark after 30 years where he sees the future of the company going. I feel like we've proven ourselves. Over 30 years, we've done some cool stuff. We've done the first haunted house in South America. We've built several things out of the world's largest, things like that. You know, and so I don't feel the need to try to prove myself anymore. If you like my stuff, cool. And if you don't, no problem. There's other great vendors out there. I'll even recommend them to you if I think I know who the guy is to go to or girl. And I, I think if COVID's taught me anything, I think it's all taught us the same thing. It's, life is short. It's a little weird. If possible, have fun with what you're doing. And I'm in that fun, unique position where I can sort of pick and choose what I do. I, I don't have to take everything that comes to the pipe. I, I can take the projects that I think are going to be fun and that we can do justice to. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Hauntopic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network.